put it out as soon as you can. What you learn is when people start using your product. So even if it means you need to limit the scope of your initial launch, just get it out as quickly as you can. You can even give it for free for like the next month or two and see how people are actually reacting to it. But you want to know as soon as possible if you're building the right thing, if you're getting the interest of people, and if what you have in mind for your product makes sense or if you should be building something a little bit different or in a different way. Just put it out. Don't wait. <laughs> I'm Michel Tripot, I'm the co-founder and CEO of Airbyte. This is Code Story, the podcast bringing you interviews with tech visionaries who share in the critical moments of what it takes to change an industry and build and lead a team that has your back. I'm your host, Noah Lapart, and today help Michelle Tricot build data integration for modern data teams, fully utilizing open source. All this and more on Code Story. Michel Tricot has been in the data space for the past 15 years. He really enjoys gathering information and gaining insight from it. As a kid, he would gather data in analog ways, grouping together movies or internet articles and categories, and extracting information from it. Outside of tech, he's married with two kids and loves a nice afternoon in the backyard cooking barbecue. He does both fire cooking and smoking, though he admits that he has not smoked a brisket yet because he doesn't want to get up in the middle of the night and check the temperature. In his prior role, Michel was Director of Engineering and Head of Integration at LiveRamp, where he and his team were managing thousands of connectors, responsible for moving massive amounts of data every day. His big realization was that every company needs to have a way to move data, and to do it in a dead simple way. This is the creation story of Airbyte. As a company, you have data in many, many different places because you're using a ton of SaaS application, application databases, you have data in files, spreadsheets, etc. And what we allow you to do is just get this data across all these different silos of data and centralize it into a warehouse. Pretty simple. The reason is, in general, you want to have a full view of customers, full view of this data across all these different heterogeneous services. And you want to do that from your warehouse. One thing that we're doing is we have an open source approach to building all these data connectors. And the reason is no company is the same. Every company is using different tools. You have a long tail of tools that you need to be able to address and get data from. And here, what we've done is really build tools and leverage for our community to actually interact with the platform, build additional connector, contribute to the project, and just very, very quickly grow a long tail of data connector to bring data from any place to anywhere. Today, big focus on warehouse, but tomorrow it might also be sending it to APIs, data queues, etc., etc. I was director of engineering and head of integration at a company called LiveRank, where I'm managing thousands of different connectors, scaling them, moving hundreds and hundreds of terabytes of data every day. And what you realize coming out of a company that deals with a lot of data is that now every single company needs to have data, whether you have the most cutting edge company or if you are just a mom and pop shop. So how do you make that product simple? 
that's what we've been doing is just making a simple product to move data. So tell me about the MVP. So the first product you built, you said you've been doing this for 15 years. So maybe it's 15 years ago, or maybe it's, you know, when it started to come into its own as Airbyte. But tell me about that first product you built. How long did it take you to build? And what sort of tools did you use to bring it to life? So we actually started Airbyte January 2020. So that's when we restarted the, the company. And, you know, like every startup, you start with a problem space. What is one place where you have some expertise, you've solved a problem in the past, and what is the new type of solution that you can bring into the to the market and to your customers? We went through a few iterations. I won't go through all of them because we had many, many iterations on what should be a solution. And it's really in July 2020 that we settled on one, the product, but also the approach, which is doing it open source. At that point, the goal was very simple. We have, let's give ourselves three months to build it, to release it open source. So we released it and around end of, uh, end of September, beginning of October. And let's advertise that to communities of developers, communities of data engineers, communities of ICs, and see what kind of traction we get on the product. From the get-go, we started to have people using Airbyte. It was, to be clear, it was an MVP. So not the most stable, but we were getting extremely, extremely valuable feedback. And yeah, over 2021, the usage just went through the roof. Uh, I think we have been used by 16,000 companies. So that was a very intense year, going from MVP and then just learning from the community, learning from our users. Was the goal to open source it so that the community could help you build it? It's, it's more than that. It's just every single day a company might be adding a new silo of data. It is not possible for a closed source solution to address that long day. So at that point, when you're thinking about data integration, you have two dimensions and we need to be looking at it. First one is, yes, you have a technical solution, which is making sure that you have good connectors, that you have good QA, that you have resilient system, that you can scale with the, the amount of data, but you also have a human aspect to it because First of all, you have a massive amount of places where you can have data, but also every single connector is going to break one day or another because you're pulling data from a system that you don't control. So at that point, building can be considered to be easy, but maintenance is very, very hard. So if it's not open source, then it's up to the company to just solve every single problem. And in general, what companies do is they just address the most used connectors and then they stop and they just do that and if you're one of their customers then you need to rebuild a similar solution on the side with your own connectors that's wasted effort wasted time from people and at that point just can we create a central repository where you have access to all these connectors they are non-opinionated so they just focus on pulling as much data as possible and let you filter out what you don't want later on that's why Open source is key for that. Everybody needs to develop these connectors. Instead of having 10,000 companies doing 10,000 connectors, let's have 10,000 companies use only one connector being developed by one company and then share the maintenance and share the burden. With any MVP, you've got to make certain decisions and trade-offs about what you're going to start with, right? Um, tell me about some of those decisions and trade-offs you had to make about you know, technical debt or feature cut or focus or anything like that and how you coped with them. We've made, I think, two main trade-offs for the MVP. 
that one that we paid up very very quickly one that took us a lot more time to uh, to pay up the one we paid up very quickly was we started to rely on another open source project called singer and we very very quickly moved away from it because it was not something that we could actually use it was not reliable not maintained community was not working out so we very quick, quickly abandoned it and created a protocol that scales better and can address way more use cases so that was one of the trials but it was important for us to start with it because at that point it was just about taking a few connectors that already existed and just focus on building the platform and how we interact with connectors the other one that took us more time was scheduling and orchestration of all the data replication job at the time we wanted to have something that is very simple very little few dependencies so we didn't want to relearn another system so we did not put airflow we did not put anything behind our prefect or anything behind our yeah or others behind the scenes so we we build our own scheduler which is not a good idea but it gets you started very quickly and this was one that took us a bit more time to actually uh, revert to a solution that like integrating a solution that is very very good and that just does scheduling the right way how are you progressing and maturing the product now and, and i think you know to, to wrap my question in a box right how are you building your roadmap? How are you figuring out, okay, this is the next most important thing to build? We have 5,000 people in our community on Slack. We have a public Slack. We get a ton of insight from people at that point. After that, it becomes our responsibility to understand, is that a trend or is that a unique ask from, from someone? But if you have 5,000 people that you can talk to, you have 100 that are telling you the same thing. I mean, it probably means you need to do something about it. An example for us is DBT. We, at the time, we just wanted to focus on having sources and destination. That's all. But when you get 50, 100 people saying, oh, but once it's done, can you just kick off a DBT job either on DBT Cloud or I'm on my own DBT script? Then you think, okay, it goes a little bit outside of the scope we want to be managing but I we understand why they want and we can just set the boundary a little bit down the line and just do this this specific thing but this is the type of request that you get that inform your roadmap now we also have expertise in what does it mean to build data integration at scale and at that point it's something that people don't always see it's about reliability resilience uh, monitoring observability uh, so it's something that we know you need if you're operating data integration at scale. So at that point, it's more our expertise just informing the roadmap. But otherwise, what's coming from our community and what's coming from our user. One thing that is important is we try to not prioritize connect data connectors, except maybe for the, the most used one. But for the rest, what we want to focus on is on enabling our community. So providing tools for them to actually build test, deploy connectors faster. So it's more building enablers. Well, let's switch to team then. So how, how have you gone about building your team? And what do you look for in those people to indicate that they're the winning horses to join you? There is a key trait that we're looking in people. We don't want people who sit at their desk waiting for tickets to drop on their plate. That is not something we can do. We're looking for people who First, they understand the users and having the community 
our Slack is just the community Slack, and we are in con in constant contact with our community. So it means that every single person in the company knows or has a baseline of what the community is looking for. And that's very key. If you don't care about what the community wants, what our user wants, you won't be able to make the right decision or you won't be able to just make the, the right long-term decision. And, you know, we wrote down our uh, values very, very early on. And to me, one of the key ones is about owning the outcome, which is you are your own mini CEO of what you're doing. And you need to figure out how to make your project successful. And successful can be you have a good deliverable. Or it's just you're not going to be working on that because it's not the best use of your time. And it's not a valuable uh, asset for the company. And we want people who have this ability to make this type of, of, uh, of decision. And that can also involve the right people around them to make this project successful. Do you need to work with a specific with a vendor, do you want to, do you need to work with contractors? Do you need to work with UIs? Do you need to work with like all these little things that gravitate around the, the success of the project, but people just have to own the outcome of it. And that's a, that's a key trait. Now, the other one is we're looking for people with very low ego. You know, it's one of the things where you've built a base where you have a lot of people with low ego. If you bring someone with a high ego, it's going to, be detrimental to the team. So something we're looking for, like humble people that are here to do the right thing and that are not here to do the thing that they are proposing. It has to be, it has to be the right thing. Well, let's talk about scalability then. So I'm, I'm going to ask this as generic as possible, um, but I kind of know where you're going to go with it, given you're a, a seasoned veteran when you're, you're building this. So did you build this to scale efficiently from day one or are, are you fighting this as you're growing? We did not focus on scalability at first. Normal. Uh, the thing is, building a scalable system takes time. You need to have redundancy. You need to have specific type of monitoring. Also, scalability generally relies on having access to a cluster. So... At that point, what we wanted was to minimize the time to value on open source. So if you have to deploy it on a cluster, that's over. It's too, it's too complex because now you need to involve other team if you're within your company. So what we focus on is just single node deployment on Docker. That's all. So probably a trade-off I should have mentioned before is you don't have scalability. I mean, you can scale vertically your instance to get more resources, but you're going to hit the limits very quickly. After that, it's just, we had a sense of what, how we wanted to do it. We created, even in the non-scalable version, we created the right primitive so that later on, connectors remains the same, but it's just the platform, the way you operate this connector that is going to change. But the connector is the same. It came pretty quickly, actually, that people were asking, have the ability to deploy Airbyte on a, a cluster or to scale to many, many more connections. In December, we had a prototype for having it run on Kubernetes, but the real push to make Kubernetes very stable was around May, end of May, beginning of June 2021. And we had to change a lot of things on the platform side to, to make it scale. And now we have another step in how we want to scale that we are creating a cloud version of Airbyte. So the number of jobs is just exploding right now. I mean, exploding, meaning going very very high so we want to make sure that we have the right infrastructure behind the scene 
and ultimately the type of work we do to scale also affects the open source uh, version because it gets the same type of the, we, we develop on the open source version so now the open source version can also scale uh, to much much uh, to many 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 more jobs well as you step out on the balcony and you look across all that you've built with airbyte what are you most proud of i mean i would love to say the product but i think the product is a consequence of something else which is hiring the right team and building the community having a community takes a lot of time it's not something that you say you, you just decide oh we're going to build a community and then you create something and you just hope that people are going to join it requires a ton of effort and having built a community from zero just the amount of energy that it asks us to to, to put in is huge but now it actually is a huge it was a great investment i mean it gets us so much insight into what all teams need for the product so it accelerates how we build the product it allows us to really focus to be laser focused on things that bring value to people when we finished 2020 it was john me charles jared shrif and chris that's all and 2021 we went from this uh six people to finishing the year at around 35 and just a lot of amazing people just working on making airbyte really really uh, a great product so very proud of it and so we are a remote company so everybody is around the world we have people in singapore india france uk brazil mexico and some places in the us and end of november we managed to get people in the us into the same place and just it feels so energizing to see people that have never met each other in person to just be in the same room uh, sharing lunch it, it was very very good energy at that point let's flip the script a little bit tell me about a mistake you made and how you and your team responded to it i, I always have a problem with the word mistake because in the end yes they were a mistake but they lead us to where we are today first one was okay we're january 2020 we think about okay data integration is a big problem in the industry of data let's find a solution for it and then we were at yc at the time and we started to talk to a few companies and we started to discover one area where people were having issues problem is it was on the marketing side it was a pro- a, a product for marketing teams I am not an expert at marketing. My co-founder uh, a lot more, but at that point it was just we were we were building something that where we had narrowed the scope way too much and we had the potentially the, the founder market fit and the team market fit because at the time we already had three people working with us might not be the best. Yet we still continue to work on that on that product. We were getting a lot of inbound, we were getting a lot of people actually buying and then covid really hit the US on Uh, March 15 and at that point marketing team just got frozen and we were not able to build and to sell the product anymore. I think the mistake was just going too quickly into a field where we are not leveraging the strengths of the team to the maximum. But in the end we got in touch and we got on call with so many people at the time that we had learned about what Airbyte should actually be. It was a mistake but we learned so much along the way and at that point it was just there's a clean cut we stopped this product the team knew about it we've told them 
we might be working on things for one week, one month, two months, three months, and at the end, we might just trash it. And the team was okay with it. It's just, if the expectations are set the right way, it's easier to just abandon something and just focus on things that have more value. So it's, it's both a mistake and a learning. So tell me what the future looks like for the product and for your team. In 2021, we raised our seed with Excel. In May, we raised our Series A with Benchmark. And in December, we announced that we raised our Series B with, uh, with Code2 and Altimeter. And this is giving us a lot of fuel for the future of Airbyte. We raised a total of 180 million. And going into 2022, now we, the only focus we have is just building the best team and building the best product. We don't have to be thinking about like reducing potentially how much we want to scale because there might be uh, a financial constraint. I mean, you always have to be careful about how you spend your capital, but it removes a lot of risk on the execution side. And that's where we are right now. So now the focus is just, okay, how do we scale the team and how do we continue to build the best community and the best product? And yeah, we want to grow today with about 40, I would say, uh, and the goal is to end, at the, to end the year around 150, 200 people. Big focus of the whole team today is just making Airbyte Cloud GA and continue to uh, support our community of users. So these are the two main subjects um, and then just continue to, to grow also our revenue because all the revenue we make is something we can reinvest in building the product in our community, making it more successful. So just creating a, a very good uh, virtual cycle there. We'll switch to you, Michelle. Who influences the way that you work? Name a CEO, a CTO, an architect, really really any person that you look up to and why. My experience while I was at Lyrum has a lot of impact on how I think about company building, about empowering people in my team. And I would say my former CTO really ingrained into the team how by empowering people as much as possible, you create very, very strong leader that can then continue to scale your organization in a very efficient way. And it's also very good in terms of retention. I mean, if you feel like you're plateauing because you don't have room for growth, people are looking to grow. So they might just go elsewhere. And owning the outcome is really a part of that, which is just trust people and give them very, very simple initiatives and let them figure out how to make it work. Because they might fail, that's okay. You're here to just help them if that happens. But they will learn so much that it's an investment and the next one is going to be better. The, the next initiative is going to be better and you can grow individual very, very quickly and you can grow a very powerful organization like that. Makes a ton of sense from growing a team, growing a technology team, enabling them, really growing any team, but enabling people to do the work and to grow, give them space to fail, but also give them a place to be coached and to succeed as well. Um, that's how you grow organization. Yeah, and that's also why like, getting people that have low ego and that are humble is important because if they are not okay to, to be coached, that becomes a problem then. Like, the model doesn't work anymore. So 
like everything ties to everything at that point just owning the outcome low ego humility etc it's a it's all part of the same plan for building successful organization well we talked about a mistake earlier but a little bit different spin if you could go back to the beginning what would you do differently or where would you consider taking a different approach that's a very hard question my way of thinking about it in life is i'm here where i am today because of what i've done in the past so if i change something in my past would i be in the same place and yes if everything was failing today i would try to look in the past and see what i could have done differently but today I think every single mistake that we've made led us to where we are today. So I don't want to change anything. I would be very afraid to change anything, actually. <laughs> that answer makes total sense to me. Well, last question, Michelle. So you're getting on a plane, and you're sitting next to a young entrepreneur who's built the next big thing. They're jazzed about it. They can't wait to show it off to the world. They can't wait to show it off to you right there on the plane. What advice do you give that person having gone down this road a bit? Put it out as soon as you can. What you learn is what when people start using your product. So even if it means you need to trim down, you need to limit the scope of your initial launch, just get it out as quickly as you can. You can even give it for free for like the next month or two and see how people are actually reacting to it. But you want to know as soon as possible if you're building the right thing, if you're getting the interest of people and if what you have in mind for your product makes sense or if you should be building something a little bit different or in a different way. What are the, the, the actual use cases that are of interest to people behind the scene? Um, just put it out. Well, Michelle, thank you for being on the show today. Thank you for telling the creation story of Airbyte. Yeah, thank you, Noah, for having me. It was great. And this concludes another chapter of Coat Story. Code Story is hosted and produced by Noah Laphart. Be sure to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or the podcasting app of your choice. Support the show on patreon.com slash codestory for just five to ten bucks a month. And when you get a chance, leave us a review. Both things help us out tremendously. And thanks again for listening.